The scripture today is from the first book of John, the third book of John, and Philippians 2. 1 John 1, 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Philippians 2:14-17 Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. I know some of you are probably confused. I opened the service today, or had the service open today, with a reading from Luke chapter 2, the angel's announcement at Jesus' birth, and then we started by singing what's traditionally used as a Christmas carol, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. Now, I've not become like our friend Shana Overlock, who I hope is tuned in with us this morning from Canada, who counts down the days to Christmas. And I know if she was here, I could ask her and say, Shana, how many days till Christmas? And she would be able to give me a number off of the top of her head. So no, this doesn't represent a longing for Christmas. But what it does represent is a longing for joy. Good news of great joy for all people. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. An unspeakable joy. An overflowing wealth that no tongue can tell. Because friends, the message of the gospel, the good news is a message of joy. It's not just joy for you. It's not just joy for me, it's joy for the world. Joy meant to be shared. And as we are in the process of reworking our church covenant, the last few Sunday mornings we've been talking about the commitments that we make together as a church family. And friends, I might make the argument that these are commitments to grow and to grow in joy. To grow in joy. Because specifically we're making commitments to try to lead our hearts into the right joy. Commitments to guide us to find our joy in the right thing. Commitments to help us find joy together in Jesus Christ. Because He is our joy. You know, the Westminster Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? And the answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We are here to glorify God and to enjoy Him, to find our joy in Him now and forevermore. These are good words, good news of great joy for all people. And we're committing together to pursue joy. And friends, the only place we're going to find joy here in life and eternally is in Jesus Christ. And so what are we committing together to? We're committing together 
to the pursuit of joy. Because as we just sang, knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy and my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. And so, friends, as a church family, what do we do? We commit together to pursue joy and specifically to pursue the greatest of all joys, the joy of knowing Jesus. And as we talked two weeks ago, the first commitment that we said we make together is a, joy, is a commitment to follow Jesus. We follow Jesus not to earn or deserve his love, but in response to his love. We follow Jesus not to try to manufacture some kind of joy in our life, but because he is joy. And to have him and to have more of him is to have joy. So we want to walk closer and go deeper and draw nearer to him who is our joy. Again, this is Jesus' parable of the treasure hidden in the field from Matthew 13:44. The kingdom of heaven is like a, hidden, a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. But then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Friends, joy motivates us to sell all, to give all, to abandon all so that we can have Jesus because He is true and lasting joy. And everything else, all that I once held dear and built my life upon, all that the world reveres and they're warring to own, all that I thought was gain, I count it lost. It's spent and worthless now compared to the joy of having Jesus and knowing Him. So as we discussed two weeks ago, the first commitment we make is a commitment to follow Jesus, that we might know Him, that we might be near Him. And the second is similar, to abide in Christ. We abide in Jesus and we invite His words to abide in us so that we can know Him more. Just like it says in John 15, which we looked at last week, branches abide in the true vine, and as they do, they become fruitful. And friends, as they do, the branch becomes more like the vine. And what joy is that? That we might become more like Him. What greater joy is that than we, the branches, might become more like the vine, that we might be made fruitful by the vine. We follow Him and we abide in Him for the pure joy of knowing and having more of Jesus. But what we find today, friends, is that our joy is not complete if we stop there. There is joy in following Jesus. There is joy in abiding in Jesus. But friends, joy finds its completion it finds its fulfillment. It finds its fullness in the fact that it is good news of great joy, not just for me and not just for you, but for all people. It's joy that's meant to be shared. But you already know this. You already know this because there are things that bring you joy. And what do you do? You want to share them. You know, when you enjoy a movie or a TV show, you say to your friends, you've got to see this movie. You've got to watch this TV show. You know, you find a restaurant you like and you tell your friends, you've got to eat here because joy wants to be shared, doesn't it? You know, author and theologian C.S. Lewis wrote about this and he said, just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Glorious. 
Don't you think that's magnificent? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's a, it's a pointed consummation. Friends, joy is completed. It's consummated in the sharing. Joy is fulfilled in its sharing. And we know that even better because then just telling other people, what do we do? We invite people to share in the joy with us. You know, you watch a movie that brings you joy and you know it's going to bring your friends joy, so what do you do? Instead of just telling them about it, you invite them to watch it with you. You know, again, I think about the joy that I had when I was able to sit down with my kids when they got old enough and be like, okay, guys, we're going to watch Star Wars. I had taken so much joy in that movie growing up. It was such a part of my growing up to be able to sit down and watch it with them and see their joy as they watched it for the first time. And the first time they heard, Luke, I am your father. And to see the joy and the shock on their face. I'm like, yes! Because don't we want to do that? We have something that we enjoy and then we want to share it with someone and, not, and we want them to enjoy it with us. We want them to share that joy. And the joy is even fuller when it's shared, isn't it? You, you get such joy out of their joy. Because you go, I love this, but now you love this too. Joy finds its fulfillment, its completion in the sharing. And friends, that's exactly what the disciple John meant in the first passage that Wendy read for us today. In 1 John chapter 3, he says, you know, that which we've seen and heard, we're proclaiming it to you so you're going to have fellowship with us. And indeed, the fellowship is with the Father, with His Son, Jesus. And we are writing these things. Why? We're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. We've already found joy in Jesus. We've seen Him. We've heard Him. We've accepted Him. We're following Him. We're abiding in Him. And there's joy in that. But you know what? It's not yet complete because it's meant to be shared. And so we share this with you so that our joy may be complete. John says, listen, we've seen it, we've heard it, we've touched it, we've been there, and now we're proclaiming this so that you can have fellowship with us. The Greek word for fellowship that's used here is a Greek word we've seen before. It's koinonia. Koinonia literally means in Greek, a sharing in. John says, I want you to share in this joy. We've encountered Jesus and we are enjoying Him. We have found the joy and we have found life. And we want you to share in it with us. Because this is good news of great joy. Not just for you. Not just for me. This is good news of great joy for all people. Meant to be shared. So share in this with me and make my joy complete. Because Jesus is life. He is joy. And church, right here. That is the third commitment that we make together. It's the commitment to share in Jesus together. It's the commitment to make disciples. We follow Jesus. We abide in Jesus for the joy of knowing Him. And we make disciples for the joy of sharing Him. That our joy might reach completion and fullness. Church, the call to make disciples is a call to every follower of Christ. You know, years ago, when I was back in seminary, one of my professors, he made a statement that stood out to me so much that here I am years later and I remember his statement. 
He said virtually every time the resurrected Christ opens his mouth, he's giving his disciples the great commission. If you open up the Gospels and the early book of Acts, and you look at what did Jesus say after he was resurrected, and you made a list of what do we have recorded that he said almost every single time, he's sending them out. In Mark, he says, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Luke, it says, repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. In the gospel of John, he records Jesus saying, as the Father and the Son, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And in Acts, right before he ascends to the Father, Acts 1.8, so you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These reports don't conflict with one another. It just shows us that every time Jesus opened his mouth after he rose from the dead, it was to send the church out. Because this is good news, not just for them and not just for us. This is good news, joy for the world. And the world needs to know. And the most famous of Jesus' sendings happens at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 28, so much so that we've come to call it the Great Commission, the mission that God gave to His people. Jesus says in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Every time Jesus opened His mouth, He was telling His church to go make disciples. Because, friends, this joy was not just for them, and it is not just for us. This is good news of great joy that is to be for all people. Church, the overwhelming emphasis that the Gospels make is that the command of Jesus is to go. This is the mission for the church. You who follow Me, you who abide in Me, you who found great joy in Me, go make that joy complete. By sharing me. Go make disciples. And friends, the incredible thing about this is that you notice Jesus did not come to make disciples. He came to make disciple makers. He came to make disciple makers. The commandment, the great commandment doesn't say be disciples. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples. And that's woven throughout the Gospel from beginning to end. In fact, the very first call that Jesus made, His first followers, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, He saw Peter and his brother Andrew there on the beach, and how did He invite them to come? Matthew, 14, um, Matthew 4, verse 19, Follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. Not just follow me. Not just experience this joy for yourself. Once you've experienced this joy, this is joy that needs to go to the world. Because it's not just for you. This is good news of great joy for the whole world. The follow me part, we tend to embrace pretty readily. We like that part. We like the follow me and we generally like the abide in me part because the first part is what Jesus does for me. By His grace, He calls me to follow. He makes me His disciple, His follower, His learner. He fills me with the joy of knowing Him. It's about my salvation, my spiritual growth, my discipleship. But too often, church, that's right where we end. 
with me. But Jesus says, follow me. Experience the joy of knowing me. And then let that joy overflow. Make disciples of all the nations. Go, become fishers of men and women. Jesus does not just save us for our own sake so that you can have joy, so that I can have joy. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus did not come just for you. He did not come just for me. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men and women. We're invited to follow so that we might be sent. We're given joy so that that joy church might be multiplied. The gospel has come to us for a purpose. And the purpose is that through us, the joy that we've received might reach to the world. And friends, the joy of Jesus finds its completion and its fulfillment in the sharing. The joy of the gospel does not reach us as its final destination. The purpose for which the gospel has come is that it might move through you to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers, to your neighbors, to the ends of the earth. As we've said before, the gospel came to me on its way to someone else. The gospel came to you on its way to someone else. The joy of Jesus Christ came to you that it might be shared. Because only then, friends, does it reach its fulfillment. If the Christian life is a race, we've said before, then we know what type of race it is. It's a relay race. And friends, the relay race does not always go to the swiftest runners. Because no matter how well you run, and no matter how much joy you get in running that race, The joy of the race is not fulfilled if the baton is not passed. If you run your leg of the race, you might have great joy as you run. It might be a wonderful experience. You might might run at your very best, and there's joy in that, undoubtedly. But if you don't pass the baton, then the race does not come to its fulfillment. And there's not the joy of having completed the race. Think about that, friends. Think about that. The full joy of a relay race can never be realized if you don't pass the baton. So can the true joy of Jesus Christ ever be realized if we don't pass the baton? The call to make disciples, friends, is an invitation to joy. Jesus says make disciples not as some heavy obligation or terrible burden He's asked us to take up. He says that I want you to have the fullness of joy. And the joy of the race can't be fulfilled if the baton's not passed. So I want you to have the joy of passing the baton. That's why John wrote in his third letter, as Wendy read for us, we're writing, well, the first letter, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And then in his third letter, I have no greater joy, no greater joy, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He didn't say, my joy is that I get to run with Jesus. My joy is that He's healed me. My joy is that I get to experience Him daily. My joy is that you, my children, my spiritual children are running well. My joy is that the joy is shared. That I shared it with you and now you're running and you're sharing in my joy. I'm sharing in your joy. This joy is so much fuller than it was when it was only me. The joy reaches its fulfillment in the sharing. This is what the Apostle Paul read or or, or wrote about. And again, Wendy read for us. 
Paul's words to the church in Philippians, he encourages them to run well. He says, run well without grumbling, run well blameless, run well holding fast to Christ. Why? So that I may be proud, I did not run in vain. I did not labor in vain. He says, listen, my life has been spent. The race has been run. My life is right now being poured out. Why? So that you might run well. So that you might know and share in the joy of Jesus. My life, my life's being offered right now as a sacrifice. Why? For you. So that you might know the joy that there is in Jesus Christ. And friends, what would motivate such a sacrifice? Why would Paul live as he lived, pour out his life for these people, sacrifice his own good for their good? Because of verse 17. I am glad and rejoice with you all. I rejoice. I find joy. My joy is your joy because we're sharing the joy that is in Jesus Christ. And the joy is so much greater because it's shared. It's been multiplied. It's found its fulfillment because it's a joy shared. Our joy in Christ finds its fullness, its fulfillment in the sharing. Jesus' first followers have a consistent witness to us throughout the New Testament. The invitation of Christ to make disciples, friends, is an invitation to experience the fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. We pour out our lives as Paul did, we, that the baton might be passed, that others might run the race well, that they might know the joy of Christ. We believe, as John wrote, that there's no greater joy than to know that our spiritual children are walking in the truth. In the truth. We see and we hear and we share in the joy of Jesus Christ. So the call to make disciples is a call to joy. And church, isn't that what we sang just a little while ago? The only thing I want in life is to be known for loving Christ. For this cause I live, for this cause I die, I'd surrender all for the cause of Christ. All that I once held dear, I'll leave behind. Why? Because my joy, my joy is in the cause of Christ. My joy is not just experiencing Him and having joy in myself. My joy is in sharing Him and finding the fulfillment, the fulfillment of that joy meant to overflow, meant to be shared. Not just good news for you, not just good news for me, good news of great joy for all people. Friends, did we mean those words when we sang them? Want to mean them? Do we want them to become a prayer for ourselves? The call is clear. It's unquestionable. Make disciples. The cause of Christ, church, the cause of Christ is not an obligation. It's an invitation. It's not an obligation to a burden. It's an invitation to experience joy. Friends, there is joy in following Christ. There is joy in abiding Christ. But what we learn from the Scriptures is that the greatest joy is in sharing that joy, in making disciples of Jesus Christ. What other causes is there worth living your life for? What other cause is worth dying for? What other cause is worth pouring out your life, like the Apostle Paul says, for? Friends, the call challenges us down to our very identities. It's not an invitation ultimately for us to do something. This is an invitation for you and me to be something. This is not an invitation for us to do something. 
It's an invitation for you and me to become something. Not just to make disciples, but to become disciple makers. This is a question of identity. You're not just a business person who makes disciples. You're a disciple maker who searches out opportunities to use your business knowledge, your connections, your business itself that you might make disciples. You're not just an artist who makes disciples. No, what comes first is you're a disciple maker who happens to be an artist. And you use your unique talents and gifts and art to make disciples and share the joy that is in Jesus. You're not just a stay-at-home mom who makes disciples. You're a disciple maker whom God has given the unique opportunity to make disciples not just of your children, but of their friends and of those friend, their friends' mothers and beyond. You're not just a student who makes disciples. You're a disciple maker who happens to be a student at this time. And in your education and in your learning and in your relationships and in your situation, you're searching for opportunities to share with others the joy of Jesus. Friends, your nine-to-five job, that's not your vocation. That's only your venue. Your nine-to-five job is not your vocation. It's not who you are. It's your venue. Your vocation is you're a disciple maker. That's your identity. That is who you are. That is your purpose. That's your vocation. And what you do for a job nine to five, that's only your venue. Because you know what? Your nine to five job isn't going to last. But what you do as a disciple maker, that'll last eternally. Your identity and my identity primarily is as a disciple maker first. Then a business person, an artist, a homemaker, a student, a teacher, a photographer, a lobsterman, a boat builder. Disciple maker is our identity. It's our call. It's our purpose. And there's no greater joy than understanding your purpose. And there's no greater joy than fulfilling that purpose and sharing that joy with others. So church, how will you make disciples? How will you share the joy of Jesus with those around you? Who will you invite to join you? You just need to see this. You just need to experience Him. You just need to know Him. I want to share this joy with you. Friends, the sharing of such joy doesn't require training. Friends, the sharing of joy doesn't require training. People are not swayed to share in our joy because of logic or arguments. People don't share in your joy because you happen to have all the answers. That's not why people share in your joy. Joy is not a debate. It's a delight. Delight in Christ and invite others to delight in Him also. That joy is contagious. That joy speaks for itself. That joy invites the participation of others. It's not about training. It's about joy. And your joy will find its fulfillment, its completion, its fullness in the sharing of it. Church disciple-making is more than just getting others started on the journey of joy. It's accompanying them on that journey, walking with one another, rejoying, rejoicing together. You know, when we grow weary or afraid, when we're weighed down, when we wander and fall, we need to rejoy one another with the gospel. We need to preach the joy of the gospel to one another over and over again because this journey is long. And each pilgrim needs encouragement from other pilgrims. Those who've gone ahead need to encourage those who go behind Each racer needs to pass the baton to the next one. The joy of the race, so that the joy of the race might be fulfilled. Friends, are you making disciples? With whom will 
you walk. And there are many ways to make disciples. Our discipleship groups are a wonderful tool. And friends, for those of you who've completed the study but have not yet started a group of your own, can I encourage you that the call is not just to be disciples but to make disciples. That the call doesn't just end with one group but it's an identity, a lifelong call to be disciple makers. Not an obligation but an invitation to discover your purpose, to understand why you're created and called. An invitation to complete and fulfill your joy. You know, in John Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress, which our elementary school, um, Sunday school, just read together this summer, in part two of that epic tale, there's a man by the name of Christian who travels to the celestial city, and his wife, Christiana, along with their children, make their way after him. And that's in part two of the story. And, And in part two, Christiana, along with the children, are on their way to the celestial city, and they come upon a man who's described like this. A man with his sword drawn and his face all bloody who tells them, I am one whose name is valiant for truth. I am a pilgrim and I'm going to the celestial city. And he becomes for Christiana and her children uh, a rear guard lest some fiend or dragon or giant or thief should fall upon them and do them mischief on their way. And friends, I want to be that man. I want to be Mr. Valiant for Truth, guardian and guide of God's homeward-bound pilgrims, face-bloodied, sword of God's Word in my hand. I want my life to be poured out that others might share the joy of Jesus. I want to know that others safely reached the celestial city because of my labors. I want to know that some pilgrims began the journey because of my pleadings. I want to see that weary pilgrims endured on their journey because I walked with them. I want to know that my life was not wasted, but that my purpose was fulfilled. I want to know that my joy did not remain alone, just as his did not. I want to say, as did the Apostle Paul, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Church, will this be our joy? Will our joy be this? Oh, the cause of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, may our joy, may our joy be found not just in knowing you, not just in following you, not just in abiding in you, but Father, multiply our joy as we share this joy with others. May our family and our friends, may our neighbors, may this community and may this world join with us in the joy that is in Jesus Christ. Here we are. Use us. Accomplish your purposes.